Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Amen. Indeed, that war continues. Father God, we thank you for this day, that it is your day, that you are the great God, the awesome God, the God of power and love and mercy and might. Lord, I pray that you'd secure this day, that your will be done, O God, on earth in and through us, even as it's being done and declared in heaven, even as you work through us in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our morning, in the midst of getting to know you, Lord God, that you'd work to declare and reveal yourself to us, even through this time together. I pray, Father God, that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive, that you'd soften our hearts, that we would not be hardened by the ways of this world or the ways of the wicked one or the skepticism or the lies, but that we'd be fully persuaded, Lord God, that you are faithful, that you are able, that you carry us in the midst of fiery trials, Lord God. And I thank you, Jesus, that you did to demonstrate how far you would go uh, to walk the, the, the line to carry out the, the purpose and the plan of eternal salvation in our destiny that was hanging in the balance, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to stand and having done all to stand, how to rest and having fulfilled your word and be carried at, at the same time by your spirit. So I thank you, Jesus, for the promise that we, we must have applied to us every day, even now more critically than ever, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, reproach, discouragement, loss, or despair. I thank you, Lord God, that um, you are faithful to keep those promises, faithful to keep us, faithful to complete the work that you've begun in us. And I thank you, Jesus, for guiding us, that we'd rightly divide your holy word of truth and that the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts will be right and acceptable in your sight, Father. And we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Rescue Radio. I'm Marjorie and uh, Jerry is uh, not here. We'll be soon back with us. Today we're talking about how far will you go? Um, Sometimes, you know, in our lives, our trials, our situations, we just need to go a little further, stand a little longer, prevail a little more, uh, rest, receive. And sometimes we need to just stop, let go. Um, And it does it is is it time to quit is it time to turn around is it time to let go of the marriage is it time to pursue and stand and having done all with faith to stand uh is it time what how do we know um i think a lot of people are caught in this kind of quandary obviously this this is the quandary of life what should i do um and then we go to people for advice and we seek that kind of counsel and whatnot and oftentimes it just becomes more of a um, a quagmire um so, you know, we don't know um, in our souls, our souls, minds, our hearts, emotions <clears throat> cannot always give us a stable, consistent, I know what I should do kind of answer. And until we get that vision, that revelation of I know what to do, we kind of, we kind of flounder around in doing this, doing that, one step forward, one step back, and, and we just kind of don't feel comfortable about uh, confidence but let's look at a couple of ways that we can um, uh, 
go after this hard question of is what time is it? Is it time to go forward? Is it time to stop and and uh, surrender? Uh, it's got this. This is a question. It's like we want three easy steps or solutions. We want a quick fix. Do this, this, and this. I mean, but this world and this life with God is not three easy step solutions. It's an integrated uh, life. It's breathing. It's receiving. It's it's doing. It's abiding. It's having done things things done to you. The Bible says in Ephesians to, to stand and having done all to stand and. What that really means is is to let the Lord God prevail through his power, his will, his wisdom in your life. And that's how we stand. We don't stand with tenacity or perseverance or, or willpower. This is not a, an issue of just bullheaded, dog-eat-dog, pressing through uh, self-improvement, self-willpower. you know, you know willpower. It's not because... Um, there is none of us, not one of us, who's able to stand against the wiles of the enemy because he's way too intellectual for us and he's way too powerful. But we are already hidden. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. So it becomes a matter of not panicking in the midst of the situation or knowing and hearing and resting in what God is saying. So the trial of our faith is, you know, is what the issue is all about. The bottom line we need to know the bottom line and then the kind of look at the process. The bottom line in the trial of our faith or understanding what is the purpose of this trial um, that God has allowed us to enter into. What is the purpose um, for Abraham, for Job, for Moses, for Jesus? What was the purpose of the trial? So you need to, first of all, in your life, settle down and ask that question. What is the purpose as you understand it and as the Holy Spirit's revealing it or asking for Ask him for more details. What is the purpose of God's will for me in this time? God's purpose, we know, is to perfect that which concerns us, refine our faith, um, teach us about him, uh, declare to us his faithfulness. Um, He he wants to reveal to us his goodness, his relationship with us. He wants to uh, clarify it, define it. He wants to reveal himself to us in the midst of our trials, really, and a lot of times we get our eyes so glued on the trial that we have a hard time even thinking about, you know, God or what would be God's purpose. We're just either mad or offended or upset or still trying to get things figured out and fixed up in our own way. We, we scramble, we uh, become very, um, we hasten to do something to relieve or, or find a way out or get, get an escape. But, Really, and the purpose of the trial is the, is the perfecting of our faith, the refining of our faith. Um, and, and so, you know, what does God want? He wants us to be more like Jesus. Peter, for a minute, uh, let's see. Well, do I want to do that yet? Purpose of our life. Okay, so let's just stop for a second and go. Yeah, Peter, First Peter chapter 1, he gives a, now Peter is in prison at that moment. And he's reflecting back on his life. And, of course, he's had a very interesting life. From the moment he met Jesus, it was nothing was the same ever again. But in First Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 4, um, he says, uh, let's see, I'm sorry, verse 1, um, 4 through 7. Um, let's start with the 4. What is the purpose? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has what begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, Christ from the dead. So our God's purpose is to 
resurrect us, to beget us again, to bring us back to life again, to redeem us um, through the resurrection, bring us back to hope, life, destiny, purpose, meaning, um, understanding, vision uh, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what? So that we can inherit an incorruptible and undefiled body that we uh, that does the life that does not fade away reserved in heaven for us he says who are kept by the power of god through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in this you greatly greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you have been uh, grieved by various trials so the various trials the, the one of the biggest parts of a trial is not knowing what to do or when it's going to end um not knowing if you're doing the right thing for worried that you're not in the will of God, worried that you might have been guilty of doing something to get into this predicament, um, that spirit of condemnation and confusion that try to hassle and harass our brains, our minds, and to keep us from knowing that we know what we know and to know in the spirit that God has a purpose. And he had a purpose in allowing Jesus to go to the cross. He had a purpose in allowing Peter to sit in prison. And Peter says um, to greatly rejoice even though it doesn't look like an occasion for rejoicing, it doesn't look like an occasion for a party or happy things. Um, He says, though now for a little while, if need be, and obviously it's needful, it's necessary um, that you be grieved by various trials uh, that for verse seven, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by, by fire may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what God is doing in the midst of this trial is he is de- declaring himself faithful. He is giving us an opportunity to trust him, to rest in him, to rely upon him, to rejoice. He's, he, when we do that in the midst of a confusion, a trial, whether we should stay or whether we should go, uh, declaring that thy will be done, O God, and, and declaring that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and that God's got me, knows what he's doing and he knows what I'm supposed to do. And declaring that God is faithful to complete the work he's begun in us. When we declare these things in the midst of our trial and we cling to the Lord and let the Lord carry us, we actually help God defeat Satan's accusations against him. Because Satan is accusing God of, you know, poor parenting, uh, you know, that, he, that Satan can convince us that God is not faithful. He's not there. He doesn't care. His love isn't. His power isn't. He isn't able to keep us to uh, bring us into a good place uh, into a place of rich fulfillment the psalms are full of this though you've tested me tried me ridden on my back plowed furrows on my back my life that you are oh god are able to bring me into that place of rich fulfillment so even from old testament to new testament the question is always a question of is god faithful can he do it and we get to make the deciding vote satan votes against god um, god votes for god says i can do this but we are the ones who through our faith or fear end up casting that determining vote to see if our faith which is more precious than gold is and it's refined because of our willingness to stand with god to trust god in our trials um you know these the, 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 another question we ask first of all what is this per, the purpose of this in my life what is the purpose of this trial? Well, bottom line the refining of our faith and to, to love and know God, to allow God to um, reveal his love to us. So for all of us, the bottom line is love, faith and love, love and faith. And you can never lose if you, if you say, this is my bottom line. 
what do I need to do in this situation where I'm in right now to love this person, uh, to forgive this person, to um, help this person, even though they're hurting me? How can I help love them, forgive them, and get them through their trial? Because you're taking up an offense, getting upset, taking it personal. And Jesus did not do that because Jesus never took anything personally because it was never about him. Although it was, you know, the, the devil hated him and wanted everybody to hate him and wanted Jesus to get offended. Jesus never took up the offense. And so you and I, in our trial, how can we show the love of God? How, what is the purpose of this situation, this trial, in declaring the faith in God and love towards our brothers and sisters or, faith, or love towards our enemies? How will this, this situation, another question, Question three, how will this situation validate God's work in me? For we are his workmanship, as I said, created in Christ Jesus. Another question to help discern um, how, how far should I go? What time is it? Is it time to quit or put, persevere? And there are different times and different, you know, there's a time for every, uh, every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes says there is a time to stand and there is a time to go further. There is a time to go the second mile. There also is a time when it's time to stop, let go, surrender, give up, um, you know, in the marriage. There may be a time to separate. There may be a time to, uh, you know, even um, just surrender to the point of pulling the plug on something, some vision you had, some thing you felt was really God's will, some life pursuit that doesn't look like, I mean, for all you've you've believed and looked and worked and, and exerted yourself, it looks like it's time to abandon that. There is a time for that. Then you always have to go back to the basic core roots. Well, what is God's will? What, what is, is God going to, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in all this? And that's, you know, Jesus gave us a lot of directives, but in Matthew, obviously the one in Matthew six thirty three, he said, um, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all, all these things would be added to you. So that's another bottom line. How does, how is the kingdom of God glorified in this? How can I um, be like Jesus, do what Jesus would do uh, with the attitude of love, mercy, forgiveness, and also knowing, absolutely knowing that God has got this, that God is good. That's another piece of the trial, the temptation to believe that I'm on my own. Um, God is not with me. Um, You know, Jesus said in John chapter four, again, when he was, you know, asked about um, what am I supposed to do? Uh, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Um, And his work in this particular reference is he's looking at the harvest, the completion of the harvest, gathering in of the souls. This was part of his mandate. And he said, I'm asking you to help me with this harvest. I'm asking you to come into it. So part of our trial is to, not look at ourselves, not get all caught up in how I feel or was this right, was this fair, but to look at finishing the work and doing the will of God. And then he goes on to say in John chapter um, four or chapter five, he goes further with this and he says um, um, uh, that it's, it's not just for him, it's, it's for us that he's doing this. In 528, he says, um, do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. God wants, there's a resurrection coming. 
There's a final end coming. There's an authority that he has in to execute judgment. And yet he says um, that this, in the, I can, he says in verse 30, but even though this time of critical final assessment, justice, judgment, resurrection, life, death is coming where those who have done evil will be judged and, and condemned. He says, I can of my own self do nothing. So Jesus Christ, even though he was God, the creator, and in him all things were created and consist, he at, at this point surrendered. He had a huge um, task before him to lay down his life, to bring in the understanding of the gospel of good news, the gospel of the Father, the gospel of the kingdom, to preach that in the midst of a lot of uh, resistance and a lot of error. And he says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is, is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So here we have another element of what time is it, how far do I go? Whose will are you uh, um, pursuing? Are you pursuing the will of God? Or are you pursuing the will of yourself, your vision, your purpose, whatever it is you think you want to see done? Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. But he says, in Philippians, he tells us, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So this trial is really an opportunity um, to not become confused, not become overwhelmed, but to say, Lord, what is your will in this? What are you doing? What is the, the principal thing you want me to learn here? Uh, and really, if we understand the principal thing uh, or reason or objective for any class you take, that, that becomes helps us to stand course. And in First Corinthians chapter 13, he says um, the, the principal thing is to love, to love one another. And he says love uh, bears all things, believes all things, love suffers long and is kind. So in, in your trial, are you able to love yourself? Love the other person, not love sin, but love the being who is behaving sinfully. Um, love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not uh, think of itself as better. It doesn't compare itself. Love doesn't parade itself. It isn't puffed up or arrogant. Uh, it doesn't behave rudely. It doesn't take opportunity to make snide comments or criti- criticize or, or undercut someone or speak behind their back. It doesn't seek its own. The, the love of Jesus was a pure, pure love in that happy Valentine's Day, by the way. The love of Jesus was a pure love in that it was not about him. It was about him laying down his life um, and, and happy to do it. Um, he, he did not seek his own things. He actually sought our things. And in the th- seeking of our salvation, our eternal destiny, our fulfillment, our e- e- inheritance with him forever, our um, re-inclusion, our uh, in-gathering with him. He actually gained all things for himself, but he didn't do it for that reason because that wasn't what was set before him. What was set before him was the cross. And even in Gethsemane, it says he sought the Lord and said, if it's your will, let this pass for me. But then he also went a little further. He pressed in a little further. And if you look at the Gethsemane stories, um, there was nothing fun about that. There was nothing easy about that. There was nothing. I mean, he had to go into the place of greatest despair and complete faith in God, the father. He had no, you know, he was sweating great drops of blood. He was going to die. Satan wanted him to die before the cross. Then it wouldn't count. And so, or then they could argue it in court that it wasn't really official. And so God, the father had to send an angel to strength, strengthen him. He had, 12 legions of angels on standby to rescue him if Jesus 
couldn't handle it and wanted to bail. But Jesus didn't take that opportunity. He just allowed the angel of God to strengthen him so he would have enough physical strength to actually carry the cross, be scourged, whipped, beaten, mocked, um, stand before Pilate and Herod, um, and then actually speak from the cross the, vi- the very most powerful words of life and, and uh, forgiveness to humanity and, and, and please the Father. In, the, in this, it pleased the Father to bruise his own son. This doesn't mean that God, the Father, is a masochist or evil, but it pleased both of them to take on this terrible punishment so that we could be with them. This is the incredible bottom line on love is that love lays down its life for its friends, and that's exactly what Jesus did. So the principal thing, all of your trials, is how does this pro, uh, uh, this um, uh, promote love and salvation? Um, the, going on in First Corinthians, it says, uh, love does not behave itself rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. How many people today in their trials, the, the enemy is trying to, to bump you out of your your faithfulness, your peace, your confidence in God, um, your faith in the in the being tried as precious gold by provoking us, either getting us angry, taking matters into our own hands. Do not do this. If you sense in your trial, uh, how far should I go? When should I quit? If you sense this provocation and temptation, which we have many, temptations to quit, Temptations to go for, forward, temptations to get even, temptations to get defensive, temptations to, you know, um, save ourselves. This is these are the temptations in this trial. And sometimes when you, you're, you're asking the question, how far should I go? Um, these little an- debaters from hell are going to be right there to answer the question for you. And you have to be very aware of what you're listening to is, and, and ask yourself one simple question in that matter be the Holy Spirit who says this to me because you want to take your directions absolutely from the Holy Spirit who dwells in you and at that moment the soul which is your mind will and emotions we we sometimes call it the flesh which is because it's the body and the soul connected would like the devil would like to give you a lot of demonic advice and make it look like um, good advice uh, to provoke you to uh, freak out panic bail Uh, and at that point where the enemy is so oppressing you to get you to give up or not know what to do. At that point, we need to rest and surrender even more to the faithfulness of God, lest we go into the place of terror and lest we go into the place of torment. Because sometimes, you know, fear, when we go into the place of fear and I've got to do it myself, it may give us a a moment of reprieve, you know, letting, you know, expressing that anger or, getting even may give you a, a few seconds of of reprieve but ultimately in the end it turns around and and shoots you back stabs you um and tries to just weaken you in the very thing that you're prevailing against the so love is the principal thing and jesus said of course let's go to matthew for a second he says um to love even your enemies in matthew chapter five this is a high calling this was never commanded in the ten commandments he never ever, they never told us in the Ten Commandments that we had to love anybody, let alone love our enemies. Um, in verse, uh, he's talking about, um, you know, in verse, let's see, chapter 5, verse, we'll go with 38 to begin. Jesus is talking there about getting even and retaliation, and he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. This is the basic bottom line of the law. It's 
fair, just, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood, blow for blow. Um, that if it, that's what it is. Fair means you, they take mine, I get to take theirs, uh, et cetera. But he says, I do not, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Well, that, that, then that becomes the question, well, is it time to turn the other cheek or is it time to leave the situation? Do I, and I, and there, there are times to leave. There are times when God says enough, you know, um, your life is at stake. Your life is more precious to me than letting you be pulverized by the demon that's operating through this spouse or this person, this situation, this boss. Your life to me is precious, and we need to see our lives as precious, too, because if you see your life as just, I deserve this, you will not have the courage to, um, to leave when God says leave. So there is a time to turn the other cheek, not take it personal, not get offended, not try to get even, turn it over to God, let him handle it, and there's also a time to shake the dust off, and um, there's a time to go the second mile, and there's a time to uh, not even eat with them, have no more fellowship, cut it off. And, you know, we say, well, what is the will of God? Well, God knows his will for us. And if you want God's will for you and God wants his will for you, you've both already voted for God's will. Then you have to go back and rely upon the promises that, for example, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Um, he desires to, to, to lead us in the way that we should go. So he says, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your coat also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. He's talking about here um, the hard things sometimes, the hard things that love can be, uh, you know, just give in, give in, give in. That's really not love. That may be fear. You need to ask yourself, am I, why am I doing this? And if it reduces down to fear, I'm afraid to go. I can't leave because I won't know how I take care of myself. Or if it reduces down to, um, you know, anger, revenge, getting even, you're not doing it for the right reasons, whatever we're doing, whatever trial you're standing in, you need to, it needs to reduce down to thy will be done. Oh God. And not in a martyrdom victimized type of uh, uh, attitude, but in the attitude of thy will be done. Oh God. It's not about me. It's not about me looking good. It's not about me, me being a martyr. It's not about me at all. It is about your will in my life because there were times when Jesus, he was very forthright. He said, you hypocrites. Was that love? Yes, that was love because he was actually warning them of the wrath to come. And so he didn't sound nice and soft right then. He didn't, you know, wasn't complimenting them on their, their strong stance on taking their stance on the law. He was saying, you know, you guys, you're not, you want to kill me. You search the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life. And there they would speak of me and you are trying to kill me. Abraham did not want to do this. What's wrong with you people? But, you know, the thing is, they were afraid. And Jesus was not operating out of fear then. He was operating out of a, uh, the obedience to the will of God. Going on further in Matthew, he says, um, but I say to you, um, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. That's in Leviticus 19.18 uh, and Deuteronomy 23.3-6. But he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Here's a very interesting little phrase. Bless those who curse you. Um, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Many of us, when people are cursing us, that's the last thing we want to do is bless them. But what does God want you to bless them with? 
more ability, strength, energy, life to do the wicked thing or bless them with a revelation of salvation and, and the gift of repentance. I would say to bless them with the revelation of Jesus Christ and salvation or repentance, you are actually blessing them in a truly greater way than you can even imagine. It says, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And so we say in, in, in your trial, the bottom line is the perfection of love and faith in you. And if what you are doing or meditating or trying to figure out, if, if trying to figure it out actually is a, is, a, is a nasty way to look at things because they'll never bring you the right, you're going to try to figure it out and it's never a solution. But when you know that what you're doing is reduces down to love and trust in God, then you're good. If it's and, and if the solution is says God says I want you to trust me and leave, I want you to trust me and walk away. If you're trusting God and that's what God says to do, then walking away is the right thing to do. If God says I want you to stay and abide, I've got you. I, I can keep you here, and you're trusting God to stay, then that's the right thing to do. Bottom line, what is it, the purpose? The purpose is to perfect the love of God in in us, perfect our faith. Um, that's the pur- purpose of the trial, to perfect that which concerns us being more precious than gold. Um, and then, uh, you know, how does this, looking a little further, how does this situation validate the work, the love of God in me? Um, you know, how do, God is needing to be vindicated in his love for us. And when Satan wants to put you through the trial, there's all kinds of things you can think about, worry about, meditate on, ponder. I did something wrong. It's my fault. God's mad at me if I would have done something different. We have to remember that even Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness in uh, Matthew chapter 4 to be tempted by the devil. Jesus didn't say, oh, I made a wrong turn back there. I shouldn't have went this way. God's mad at me uh, already. I know, you know, I've, I've messed it up, blah, blah, blah. He knew because he spent time with the Father, the Father's will. He knew the will was that I'm going to have to go through this stuff. I'm going to have to suffer reproach. I'm going to have to suffer affliction. I'm going to have to go through it with the people just like they go through it. So what did Jesus do? We see that he emptied himself out. He um, surrendered himself. He declared back that I can of my own self do nothing. Um, As the Father speaks, so I do. He was absolutely in total sync with the will of his Father because he spent time with him. And in that great place of peace and assurance, Jesus was able to go forward into into the face of great oppression serious oppression and he had really no one to stand with him even the disciples apostles were kind of flaky and and at the end they all scattered even as he said will strike the shepherd and the, and the sheep will flee and that's exactly what happened but we know again going back to the idea of love being the principal thing that <clears throat> um, love does not rejoice when bad things happen to the people we don't like uh, love doesn't seek his own it's not provoked it does not, it thinks no evil. It doesn't, you know, relish bad things happening to other people. Uh, it doesn't, it, that's not what love is. Love is when something bad happens to someone, you're there praying for them. You're there interceding for their life. And because you understand the spiritual battle over their soul and you understand that what they're doing and have done and said and did, and it's all been accomplished through their listening to the liar who's got them ensnared and that you want to be um, a life force to bring joy, hope, peace, and deliverance, rescue for them. It says, um, 
But love rejoices in the truth. So the truth, what sets people free, love heals people. But and, and because we know the love of God, love, is, love says God is with me. I am not alone. God has got this. God is with me at, to the very cells of my being, to the very moments of my last breath. God is with me. And sometimes fear will overtake us. But the, the bottom line is God still has it. And the Bible says in First John chapter 5, if my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart and knows all things. So when you make a judgment against yourself and believe lies that the devil is provoking you to believe in your soul, bottom line is whether you judge yourself or condemn yourself or declare yourself to be innocent, God knows the truth. God is with us. God will never leave us or forsake us. And so um, love bears all things, believes all things, even though it looks hopeless, hopes all things, endures all things. This is where you become great in God's kingdom. Um, and, And, you know, it's not always... A chipper chipper oh it's going to be fine it's not about you know it's about just a steady quiet silent patience um job sitting in the midst of his second set of trials when he was losing his health did not say oh this is so good i just love this it's gonna it's all gonna be okay it's fine he didn't have a whole lot of positive things to say about the trial he had you know he was just trying to defend himself but he was patient he didn't put on a happy face um, that's not necessarily the, 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 you know, yes, we can rejoice in our hearts and what the heart is full of the mouth speaks. So, but this, at the same time, a happy face or a glum face, neither one declares anything, but the, the patient endurance, trusting, resting and relying upon the truth to prevail. And even in these days when we're so, uh, on every side tempted, um, uh, tempted to cave in, with the oppression and there's so much oppression, even the trial of the faith of the righteous is so ramped up these days. It's to to just know that God has got this. If we live, we live. If we die, we die. Going going back to the, um, the stories in uh, Hebrews 11 about the, the, the hall of faith where the many of the people in the hall of faith, they were eaten by the lions. They were trampled. They wore, they roamed around in, goat skins and they had nothing and they were, you know, despised. Uh, and it says, God says of the, whom the world, the world was not worthy of them. They were too good for this world. And yet the world absolutely shunned, shamed, despised, uh, mocked those people. Yet they didn't take it personally. They didn't get better. They didn't, um, cash in. They didn't say, well, I'm going to, this is too hard. They just continued um, patiently to endure. And that is where the, the God of all patience is able to keep us um, and keep our souls in the midst of these days. And that's really what we're going to need to do is know the patience of God um, to keep us. So um, the, and the, the, another thing, loving, love is the principal thing um, to bear all things, believe all things, knowing that our, our faith, the trial of our faith uh, is being tested so that when, um, it says love will never fail. Um, love doesn't fail. It endures all things. Peter's, again, sitting in prison in chapter 4. He's telling us basically how to suffer, how to get through it. Um, verse 9, 4-9, he says, um, um, let's start with verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, 
but on the contrary, blessing. Remember, bless those who curse you. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Let's not gossip. Let's not grow bitter. Let's not curse ourselves or others. Let's not murmur. Let's not complain. Let's not give something to the devil to work with through our words. And that's what many people do. They kind of give something to the devil. You know, they complain. They become bitter. They see no hope. They start to murmur. And then Satan uses those words to craft more difficulties against them. If you can't say anything positive or declare the truth, then just shut your mouth so Satan has nothing from your lips. He says, speaking no guile or deceit, we're not going to be like them. Um, let us, he said, let him turn away from evil and do good. You know, a lot of times heaping coals of fire upon their head when people are mean to you, doing kindness back to them, loving them, praying for them, asking God for mercy for them. Um, let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Don't you think God sees? Don't you think God knows everything? Don't you think he sees what's going on and he's willing to um, step in and um, wants us to be strong in him and to do his will without fear, knowing faith that the faith of God is he's able to complete that which he's begun in us. Uh, he, says, he says in verse chapter four, verse eight, starting with seven, he says, but the end of all things is at hand. That's true. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers and above all things have fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins. If you love one another, if we love one another, that is going to go a long way in covering any kind of uh, sin or bad behavior or that we have practiced. And and by the way, Jesus said, uh, he said, why do you um, uh, look at the plank uh, the speck in your brother's eye when you don't realize you have a plank in your own eye. He says, first, remove the plank from your eye. Then you'll be able to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So many times when we're seeing things, we're seeing it with a plank in our eye, and that doesn't give us very good vision. And so we have to trust God has got a plan, a purpose, and to know that all things in your trials work together for good. God does not want us to become so overwhelmed with, um, you know, uh, the trial itself or trying to get out of the trial and try to get rid of the pain. Um, yes, it's okay. God's got solutions. He's got remedies. He's got ministers to help us with that. Um, he's got solutions. He's got servants who are helping us to get through our fiery trials. And some of the ways, some of the people he sends into your life to help you get through this, the fiery trial are probably kind of strange and kind of unconventional. God is pretty unconventional. But he says, um, it, beloved 12, 412 of Peter, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when he, his glory is revealed, you also will be glad with exceeding joy. So the purpose, God's purpose in our trial um, is, it's not a strange, uh, uncommon thing. It's common, he says, um, that we're all tested we're all tempted, every one of us in First Corinthians chapter, um, hold on, I think it's chapter 10, he says, um, regarding that, he says, therefore, um, let him who, stand, who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall, for don't be overconfident, don't be arrogant, don't say, I got this. It's better to say, God have mercy. No temptation is overtaking you such as, except such as is common to man. 
So it's not strange. It's not uncommon. It's usual. It's the prescribed course. But God is faithful. This is the God is faithful. Three words that you can ride, rest, rely upon that bottom line. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with every temptation will also make a way of escape that you're able to bear it. God is not going to pressure us, put us to the test beyond what you are able. And we are able because he is able. We're able because God, God is the one who's got you in the fiery trial. Bottom line is you're not alone. This is not God proving you. This, this temptation, this trial is not God proving you to see what's in you. He already knows what's in you. This is the devil t- tempting God to see if God is, is uh, faithful if God, if, if, or if, he, if the, the devil can get us to crack. So th- this is really a trial that God is going through with us. We, he says he goes with us through our afflictions um, to deliver us out of them. The Psalms are just full of that. So your trial, your temptation is not just yours. It is God's as well. If you look at it like that, this is God's problem, God's trial. The devil is testing God's faithfulness. The devil is trying to get me to believe God is not faithful, that God is going to abandon me somehow, and that I'm going to be just, you know, made a mockery because God wasn't able to keep me because I, I, I caved, I crashed, I gave in. Um, and a lot of times, you know, if you're giving in to something, you know, uh, and you know it's not the will of God. This is a little bit of a segue here, a different thing. But, for example, if you're in an addiction, and you just hate it, and you cry out to God to get out of it, and you know it's so horrible. Um, it's not God's will that you should be addicted to this thing. You have to also go back to what Paul says in Romans seven twenty, that if I am doing what I do not want to do, it is not me doing it. It is the sin that dwells in me. And there is a point where you are so controlled by fear or the, the drug or the chemical or the uh, relationship or the the rage, there's, there's so, you're so overwhelmed. You, 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 um, you don't want to do it. Your will is not to do it. Your will is with God that you be set free from it. That's good. Um, then know that it's, God's going to have to deal with this programming in you, this uh, force of this entity, whatever it is, that God is the one who's going to have to deliver you. And if you don't get delivered, then it's not your problem. It's God's problem because he's the one who's promised to never allow us to be tempted. That doesn't mean above that he's able to keep it. That doesn't mean that we will not, will never sin. Many times it means we go, God uses the very sin that we've gone through to convert us. The very sin that Peter committed in denying Jesus was the very thing that God used to convert him and bring him back to a new place of faith and walking in the spirit as opposed to walking in the flesh. Cause Peter was walking in the flesh before that a lot of times, but remember, remember in his trial right before his trial in, um, Luke, Jesus came to Peter and he said um, in Luke, uh, let's see, 22, verse uh, 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me or been converted, strengthen your brethren. So. You see the, di- di- the hidden behind the scenes dynamics of Satan petitioning God, like he did with Job, to sift, to um, to dispute God's intention here to promote Peter um, to the place of leadership after he was gone. And Satan says he's weak; he's never going to make it. 
I mean, he's flawed. He's still in the flesh. I got something on him. Um, let me test him. So he petitioned the high court or he petitioned God uh, to sift Peter's wheat. He said, well, then why did God let this happen? Why didn't God just say no to the devil? Well, if God would have said no to the devil, the devil would have used the flaws, the fears, the flesh in Peter later on to um, break everything up and destroy the little tiny brand new church plant, the seed that had been planted. And so God had to have this man absolutely his, completely his, totally converted to the, the walking in the spirit, totally relying upon God. Though Peter, it's, there's an indication that in the book of Acts, he still stumbled on some things about the law versus grace and him and Paul got into it a couple of times. And so it, it doesn't mean that we're never going to sin again, but it means that in all of these things, Peter was greatly, greatly loved by God. And then at the end, we say, we see Peter telling us about how to get through our sufferings. He says, um, don't think it's strange. He says, um, you know, if you are reproached in the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So what our trial is all about is the glorification, uh, that God be glorified in and through our suffering, in and through our stand, in and through our letting go. It's not about our stubborn, self-righteous you know, determination. It's about surrendering, actually, to the will of God and saying very clearly, thy will be done, O God. Even as Jesus said in the garden, thy will be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Um, and then Peter goes on to say in verse 15, let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. Well, sometimes, you know, meddlers in trouble too. It's gossiping, backbiting. These things are just as, as vile as, and, and destructive as murder and, and thievery. So beware not to uh, excuse some of these lesser sins or activities because it's, it's against the law of love, busybodying, meddling, against the law of God, you know, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So here's another temptation to become ashamed, confused, uh, believing the, the lies of guilt that I had this coming, that God is mad at me, that I broke the law. That is as far from the truth as possibly can be. You know, the reason you're being tested like this is because God does love you and you are. He's, he's refining, he's declaring through your testimony perfecting the faith in you, whatever, the, the refining you, that he's proving to the enemy that you are righteous and that his righteousness, his faithfulness is able to keep you and that this actually glorifies the Father. Because when Jesus said to the disciples, he says, I am going to the cross, I'm, I'm going to go glorify the Father in his actual death, in the fact that as he went to that death, the cross, that Satan had nothing on him, that Satan, whatever Satan was doing in his life at that moment was totally illegal, was totally a violation of the law of love. Satan was in total violation of the law of love. That, that when Jesus laid down his life as a sacrificed lamb, as the innocent one, that he did it to glorify the Father. He did it to complete the will, the purpose, the plan, the vision that they had come up with, that the solution to our, our being lost. This is a big thing. People don't think much of the cross. You wear a little cross around your neck. You see a cross in church. If you go to church, you see it on a steeple somewhere. People don't understand that that means that there, was, there is a redemption, that something happened, that this is the, the sign or the symbol or the, 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 you know, the remains of, of something that happened. And it's a way for people to um, ask the question. I remember one time one of my Friend said she was a teacher, and yeah, one of the, the children in her class um, asked her one day, 
what is that X in the church? You know, what is that X? She didn't know it was a cross. She call, could only call it an X. She only knew about X's lines that crossed each other were X's. And so at that point, this little one was now alerted to or first time introduced to the concept of Jesus and the cross. So these reminders have been stationed in the world, the, the blood of Jesus, the cross of Calvary. This is where we, this is our victory. This is where we have God's favor. This is where we have God's ear. This is where we have salvation. This is where our righteousness is proven and we are bound into, tied into uh, the life and death of Jesus Christ. Um, the, and then he says, if a right, uh, he goes on to say, um, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And how many people in the church in the house of God this day would be uh, vulnerable to being judged because they're, they're, they are being judged. They're being deceived. They're being confused. They're being mocked. They're being thwarted in their work with God because of confusion, because of guilt, because of the law, because they don't understand that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. He says, Jesus said, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. He said, I sent my spirit to dwell in you. So he says, if the righteous scarcely be saved, what will what will happen to the ungodly? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, here we go, commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So when you're in this, what should I do? How far should I go? You, you don't need to really ask that question. How far should I go? Um, that is that that's God's got the answer to that. You just say thy will be done. Oh God, lead me in the way that I should go. Um, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from the evil one. And how many, how many times do the prompt, the, the psalmist and the prophets say, how long, Oh God, how long, how long, how long have you forgotten? Have you forsaken? Um, will you never end this? Um, how long? I think this is another troubling, menacing little thought that comes into my mind. And it's, I need to rebuke, submit to God, resist the devil. And part of the way we resist the devil, giving no place to the devil, is to resist his ideas, his, um, his temptations to cave, to give in, to ask, to, you know, to murmur, to ask the questions, what did I do, how long? Um, truly, you may have done absolutely nothing wrong. Jesus did absolutely nothing wrong. Um, the trial was simply the perfection of his faith, proving his desire to follow God. It was... Um, the, it, trusting that as Jesus promised back to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Is God good for his word? Um, is he good for his word? Um, can we trust him? Um, can we know that all things work together for good? That God is not willing that any should perish, that he is faithful, that he will not leave us orphans. Um, he just, it, Peter ends his discussion in chapter five with a little, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And there it is, um, that we would have the grace of God, uh, clothed with humility for the, for God resists the proud. Humility is a key to standing and surrendering and victory. Actually surrendering is contra, contrary to what we think victory requires. Victory requires that we stand, that we boldly proclaim, da, da, da. But sometimes Victory is simply humbling ourselves because God needs to step in and God cannot do it. He cannot judge it. He cannot do anything if we're going to do it ourselves. So when we are unforgiving, judging others, holding them in judgment, being bitter, then God cannot judge it. If we're being proud and, and self-contained and self-sufficient and not clothed with humility, then God has to resist us because he has to resist the proud. 
So all of your trials are for the purpose of allowing God to magnify himself, manifest himself, and give you grace. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. This is the love of God. This is knowing the love of God. In the, in the trial, the questions again, what, what is the purpose of my life? It's to love, to know the love of God, to know how much he loves, to, lo- to let him reveal his love to me. What is the purpose of this specific situation I'm in? Again, to know the love of God, that my faith is refined. Um, how does this trial or situation validate the work of God in me? Uh, what does God want to do to validate his work, to prove his faithfulness to you? Four, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus be like Jesus, um, sur- submit to God? Declare, you know, your allegiance and your uh, reliance upon the Father. Uh, you know, five, love is the principal thing. Above all things, let the God be glorified in your love and in your faithfulness to depend on, rely upon, trust in God. And that um, recognize that the temptations to be afraid or to feel guilty or to get offended are what the enemy is trying to do to, to break you in the midst of the trial. The trial itself is only the, um, the precipitation of, of, of the event, but how you handle the trial really becomes the outcome of the trial, not what happened, but how you handle it, how you go to God or how you go to yourself or how you get mad or how you, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Almost everything that ever happens in our lives is, is an injustice of some sort. It's wrong. It's not fair. And, and that's really probably in every case. Everything is wrong. You, you get sick. Uh, your loved one gets taken away. Uh, you don't get the promotion. You get um, betrayed at work. You get uh, blasted with a spirit of witchcraft or accusation. Nothing is fair about any of the things we go through. But the thing is, not, it wasn't fair for Jesus. You expect it to be fair when the God of this world is Satan. It's not going to be nice for us. It's, but God is going to cover us and keep us. And this is where we get to grow in our, no, in our knowledge of the love of God. So suffering, you know, mistreated, uh, unjustly treated. How are we going to, to stand and having done all the stand unless we let the Lord God be our vindication and be our judge, be our voice. Jesus knows your heart. He knows what the devil's doing. You don't have to get all defensive. You don't have to explain it to anybody. You know, sometimes when Jesus was before Pilate, he was quiet. He didn't say anything. What could he say? He, he, he you know, he, he, there was nothing he needed to say right then. Sometimes there's nothing you need to say right then, so don't say anything. Just be okay. And to know how far did God go to uh, in his fiery trials for us. He went to the cross. He went to the grave. And then he went to heaven to make a home for us. Um, how long, um, how far, how deep does his faithfulness go in, in, in our rescue, in the love for us? And, and like the Bible says, too, he was forgiven much, loves much. And so many times... When you realize, like uh, Mary Magdalene, I'm sure, how much she had been delivered, how much she couldn't do it herself, how much she had been bound, how, how her life was on a course of absolute destruction. Uh, the seven devils were running her life, driving her to hell and destruction. He was forgiven much. He who received, relieved, realizes what he's been delivered from loves much. So the greater the sin, the greater the forgiveness, the greater the depth of our understanding of the love of God. So... Um, if you've forgiven, you know, think, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing God a favor here to let me, uh, to save me. You don't really understand the great love of God. But if you understand there's no other way, I would have, I, I would have perished. I would have been eternally lost. And then begin to value your salvation and the work of God and the power of his Holy Spirit who sent to live in you 
to value it on that basis, it all becomes priceless. Um, and Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will never leave you or forsake you. Um, be of good cheer. In, uh, Paul in um, Philippians, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Um, he says, and be, rejoice. He says, and the peace of God, which goes beyond understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So a lot of times when you don't know um, what way to go, it's, it's, it's just say, Lord, I don't know. It's, your, it's you direct my feet. You direct my path. Keep me in your peace. It's the peace of God that goes beyond our mind understanding, our hearts, our thoughts. It's that peace of God that we look for as the guide to walk us in and through this uh, trial, the peace of God, to know that we're loved, to know he's with us so that we can rejoice. And this then relieves, removes the fear, the anxiety, the condemnation, the guilt, the judgments. And then we can be glorified even as Jesus was glorified in these fiery trials. And so actually trials and suffering and all this is, is a necessary part of our Christian walk. And, you know, we're not to, you know, we're flee youthful lust, but we're not necessarily to flee the trial. We're not to invite it. We're just to be. God brings them as he will, and our will is, is bound to his will, submit to his will. His peace will keep us. His promise will keep us. He is faithful. And Paul says, ultimately, he says, um, I know I have learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Um, everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, we thank you for the strengthening of Jesus Christ that in all states, whatever conditions, we're good because you're good because you got us, Lord, and there's no need to fear or panic. There's no need to become angrier or irritated. Lord, we just rest our hope fully in you uh, and in the peace. You said the way of the righteous. Um, you will direct us, Lord. You'll lead us our steps, Lord God. And you order our steps. You give us your peace. So, Father, I pray for each one today that you will give us grace and peace and mercy, that you'll establish us according to your glory, according to your will, according to your delight, Lord God, and that we will not be afraid. Father, I ask blessing and healing and deliverance for those who are entrapped. I pray today that you release them from the snare of the fowler, even even in the moment, Lord God, that they will no longer have to... um, have the mindsets and the, and the beliefs that this is something they have to go through because they had it coming. I, I forgive those who are believing lies. I release them into the fullness of the revelation of your truth, which brings life and rejoicing in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you all. This is life recovery and true light church. Um, check us out on our websites, liferecovery.com or truelightchurchmn.org. We have services every Sunday in Dayton, Minnesota at the community center. All right. God bless you all and talk to you soon. I have an emergency. What is your location? for your soul.